boy Ray came in the chat today on all bullshit. Did you see that? Nah, what are you, what are you, what are you talking about? Bro, read that shit. This nigga, hey, this nigga Ray said some funny ass shit. He said, hold on, let me find it. This nigga posted something from that KOD strip club website with the stripper booty. And uh, <laughs> it was, uh, it said, Ravens had Des Bryant mimic Chase Claypool during the first week of practice in preparation for the Steelers. And this nigga said, I need three firsts for Chase Claypool. <laughs> the NFL is on notice. They know what's up. And I said, Ray, you do know all that means is that they deployed Dez, how they, how they deployed Chase Claypool, right? I said, because Brian is the biggest, closest thing they have to Claypool on the scout team. It's just like when Tiamu was mimicking Cam Newton for the Chiefs. I said, dude, you're really dumb. Bro, he thought that meant Dez going to be learning from Claypool. Or like, they, <laughs> they wanted him to get tips from Claypool. Bro, it's just because he's big. Ray is so stupid. <laughs> he said, because they know he a threat. No, it's because there's the only nigga on that team who's fucking 6'3 and physical. Yeah, big and slow. He, he, bro, exactly. <laughs> and good in contested catch situations because God knows Miles Boykin is fucking garbage. Hey, I'm finna drop that nigga on God. Man, it ain't his fault, bro. It's Lamar Jackson's fault. Oh, I would drop him too if I had him. Bro, <laughs> do you know that nigga is, is QB 17 on the year? He trash. Dude, he's trash. <laughs> and KB didn't give up a, a, a lot for him, I guess. Daniel Jones is, is the worst quarterback in the league. And J.K. Dobbins can't beat out Gus the bus. And then the first and second, whatever. But still. Yeah. Daniel Jones is QB 39 on the year. Probably not statistically, but. Bro, I was about to say, wait, wait. Hey, I was about to say, wait, is he? Dog, I was about to, bro, I was about to do an impromptu show, bro, and just shit on Daniel Jones. That boy ass. He's 26. That is terrible, bro. Yeah. You ready, bro? Yep. Let me get these notes up. This is the way we bow. And we like to floss. All our diamonds gloss. I represent the dirty, 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 dirty south. It's Killer Cam. I'm back on the scene. Podcast King, 
brand new mic, same Benzatine. I'm still sipping lean. I'm still watching screens. Kurt, I love wearing platinum, but my favorite color green. I'm hopping out Ferraris. My house is three stories. Dude, I'm still with Microsoft because Google couldn't afford me. <laughs> the meetings were boring. For real, I was snoring. The VP was fine. Yeah, she made me kind of horny. But that's another story. Let's get back to the topic right now. Me and Kurt negotiating about a rockets. We might buy the comments. Name it. I done it. You see it and want it. Bro, dude, we turning this podcast into a freestyle. <laughs> All right. Let's get it, man. Hey, who you got in their verses, bro? T.I. or G.V.? Wait, what about the verses? Who you got, bro? T.I. or G.V.? Dude, the snowman. Dude, T.I. is huffed to me. The only nigga <laughs> who like T.I. is Chris. <laughs> uh, dude, bro, wait. No bullshit, no bullshit. You know I only think Jeezy got one classic album, bro. Yeah, Jeezy, right. Jeezy classic album better than anything T.I. ever put out to me, bro. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I don't. I, agree. I don't. I don't think it's particularly close when it comes to like whoever, who, which one of those guys has the most timeless project. I don't. Yeah. Yeah, I like. I like. I think I like two Ti. I think I like three of them. But which ones? Uh, trap music. Yeah. Yeah. And then what's the one that followed that? Uh, Urban Legend. Urban Legend was cool. Yeah, <laughs> but, Urban Legend was cool. But all of them really only got a few like songs on there. That exactly. I, and then I know T.I. like, he probably gonna go into the verses playing all of that commercial shit. Oh, he is. He gonna play that, uh, he gonna play that, uh, yo, he, yo, ha, just he, live your life. And that's, a, I don't care what Jeezy play, he lost, bro. He got lost, <laughs> lost, bro. That's an L for him that bro. He should have went against Nelly. I don't think. Facts. Hey, my nigga Dirty Mo was drunk and high as hell, boy. <laughs> with the bad, with the bad internet, he should have hollered at Chris, bro. Dude, Chris, hey, Chris would have, Chris would have got him right. Hey, Chris would have lost the sale because he would have tried to sell him TV. <laughs> like, hey man, I just want internet. All right, let's get this bitch going, man. <clears throat> have you ever went over a friend's house and the food was just no good i mean the macaroni saga the peas all mushed in the chicken tastes like wood. it's like wood <laughs> <laughs> bro i'll be i'll be having to get my 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 voice and my my words ready for the podcast bro exercise lyrical exercise hey speaking of lyrical exercise hey Nobody fucking with Hove, bro. Hey, let's do a, a versus with Hove versus the field. Hmm. Yeah, bro. See, I think it's it's just hard, bro, because it's like I feel like the person who got the most hits is probably like Drake. But like Yeah, but like, that don't work. The classics yeah, yeah, that doesn't work. Yeah. If Jay plays some classic shit, I'm gonna be like, oh Jay. Dude, dude. Just do a, a Jay-Z versus Nas versus, uh, versus, and we just go see Jay body him for 40 straight tracks. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the only thing we could do. Yeah, Nas might lose all them rounds, bro. Yeah, he would lose all of bro. I just want to hear Jay play 22 tools against somebody, bro. Or anybody from that, re- anything from that reasonable doubt project, bro. It's a win. Yeah, 100%. All right, let's do this for real. <clears throat> yo, he, yo, ha. <laughs> hey, whoa, hey, what the fuck was that nigga T.I. on, bro? Then he had to hit you with the Justin Timberlake right after? I was bro. like, T.I. out of here now. Bro, that nigga, I remember I was hearing that album like, man, what the fuck happened to do? <laughs> yeah, like, it's the king, bitch. And then he came out with that shit. I was like, man, what the fuck is bro on? That shit was about goofy as hell. All right. It's 11.10, so around 12, we'll start wrapping this bitch up. But we should be able to get through this shit pretty quickly. All right. <clears throat> We are bike. Welcome to another episode of the Ace of Spades podcast. I'm your host, Cam, a.k.a. the Dynasty Demigod, a.k.a. the Ace of Spades, Thanos, a.k.a. the four-time champion, a.k.a. Mr. Okay, I'm reloaded. And I'm in the lab with co-host Curtis, a.k.a. Kurt Cashy, a.k.a. the ace of spades, T-Mac, a.k.a. Danny's big, big homie, a.k.a. Mr. Take Your Best Player and send you into a rebuild. Kurt, what's good? What's up, bro? Nothing much, man. Hey, Kurt, what is the what is the undisputed best game day snack? Undisputed best game day snack. Yeah, bro. Shit, wings. Dude, it's wings. Simple. Yeah, wings. Dude, yeah, that's why we the wings. duo, bro. Dude, it's it's <laughs> dude, it's, it's it's hot wings, dude. Simple. Yeah, yeah. And then while you waiting on the wings, dude, chips and salsa, undisputed best yeah. pre-snack. I mean, yep. it, it, it don't get too – you don't got to make it complicated, bro. It's like fantasy football. It's not hard, bro. It's not hard. Anyway, let's get into the episode. Sorry we didn't have Kurt on, on the last one, but we'll do a better job of making sure we're in sync for the weekly episode. But the Saturday one is what's most important. So as always, we're bringing you guys a week eight preview. But we're also going to do a rookie report, a rookie update. And we're going to put Danny's team under the microscope and update our power rankings. As always, let's start the episode off with some NFL news and notes. Kurt, Trevor Lawrence, a.k.a. T-Law. Dude, he said he ain't going to the Jets if they get the number one overall pick. Simple. Dude, what are the chances... That Trevor Lawrence returns to Clemson for a senior season. I mean, so I guess we would just have to. It really depends on how high of a chance the Jets have in finishing with the number one overall pick. And as long as Gase is there, I think that those chances are pretty high, my brother. 
Yeah, I, bro, he didn't he didn't say anything about the Jets or anything like that, but he did make a comment that he's uncertain about his NFL future. But we all know what the fuck he's talking about, bro. Um, yeah, I wouldn't want to go to the Jets, bro, but I think the chances of him going back to Clemson for a senior season are, I think they're slim, bro. I mean, I just don't want him to turn out like Andrew Luck, bro. You know what I mean? Yeah, really good behind um, getting beat up for years. Yeah, bro. Yeah. yeah, not a lot of weapons, a terrible offensive line, and then his career ended way too soon. So anyway, moving on. Chris Carson likely to miss week eight, though the report came out that the injury wasn't too serious. So hopefully this is the only game he misses. If he actually misses this game, he's going to be a game-time decision along with Carlos Hyde. So if neither one of these guys go, who who's it going to be? Travis Homer and DJ Dallas. Yes, yeah, it's, it's DJ Dallas season, bro. <laughs> Kids ass. All right. <laughs> Michael Thomas, aka can't start Mike. Out again with a hamstring injury. Joe Mixon, dancing Joe, out again with a foot injury. So KB can fire up the garbage can that is Gio Bernard. Aaron Jones out again with a calf injury. So Jamal can fire up the garbage can. That is Jamal Williams. Jamison Crowder is doubtful. Allen Robinson is doubtful with a concussion. And Saquon Barkley finally has surgery on his torn ACL. Thank goodness. All right. Let's dive right into the Ace of Spades news and notes. Let's start off with niggas in the league that I don't like. Dude, I don't like Chris. Simple. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I don't like Chris. I don't like BT. And I don't like Tay Brown. You know why, bro? Because what? Why is that? What, what are these niggas doing, bro? Like, why are they here? Man, I mean, I couldn't tell you, to tell you the truth. I don't know. Bro, these dudes just, they don't do anything. <clears throat> Like, Chris is just sitting here with this. We already put Chris's team under the microscope. He hasn't really made any, you know, relevant moves for his team. He's just sitting here with this this mismatch-ass team, bro, with Derrick Henry and a bunch of garbage. Yeah, yeah, you got, I, I, yeah. go ahead. No, just <clears throat> no direction. That's, you know, that's what we said when we did the under the microscope thing. It's just a team that's just, I, I don't know what he's trying to do. I don't know if he's trying to rebuild. I don't know if he's trying to, like, win a championship this year. I don't know what he's trying to do. He's trying his best to be mediocre, bro. I don't, that shit is irritating to watch, bro. It's like, it affects the rest of the league, I feel like, when motherfuckers just sit here with no direction and ju- they just hold, bro. It lacks, you know, it, it takes out some of the some of the exciting elements of, of Dynasty, bro. Because, you know, moves are made when teams are rebuilding. The moves are made when teams are, you know, trying to fix their rosters so they have a chance to get into the playoffs and go for a championship. But when you got teams that are just bad and stagnant, like, that's just three teams that, you know, are kind of like off the table. Like we're essentially what I'm trying to say is we're playing in like a nine team league. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can so, see why you say that. Yeah. This wasn't even supposed to be part of the show notes, but I wanted to throw that in. Cause I don't like them. Ray bro. 
Ray is the funniest nigga in the league, bro. <laughs> Adam Schefter texted me and told me that Ray tried to send Kenyon Drake, Nelson Aguilar, a player he just recently added off the waiver wire, and KB's first round pick to KB for Lamar Jackson. Veto. <laughs> <laughs> bro, what is that, bro? And he waited till Kenyon Drake got hurt and then tried to send that. Yeah, I don't like. Haven't we? Didn't we talk about this shit like with the the calculator? Tra- what does that even look like in the calculator? It's probably like hella lopsided, like in KB, like in a Ray's favor. I don't even know, but like you need to stop doing that with the trades, bro. Whatever it is that you're doing, like, bro, that. Um, I didn't put it in the calculator, but I guarantee that is not close at all. Yeah. I guarantee that's not close at all. Dude, Kenyon Drake is is ass, bro. Like he's dust. And then Aguilar is a waiver wire pickup. And it's KB's own first. So you want Lamar Jackson basically for just KB's first. After he just traded a bunch of shit to get. After Lamar he just Jackson. traded all that shit to get him exactly. Yeah, anyway. Uh, Ray is still the funniest nigga in the league, bro. Jesus Christ. These dudes are hilarious. And then last bit of Ace of Spades news is that, you know, Christian McCaffrey is on the move. Put air quotes, bro. Bro, this nigga Justin don't want to move McCaffrey, bro. This nigga pump faking. He, hey, what they what they say, bro? This nigga Justin, uh, he pump faking and booty shaking, boy. <laughs> I mean, bro, honestly... If I had CMC, I would be the same way, bro. So, I, bro. But, but I wouldn't even, but the difference would be, I wouldn't even play with y'all niggas, bro. I'd just be like, look, you're not getting them, okay? I'm not trading them away to you. Like, it's just, <clears throat> unless you're going to pay a whole lot. Like, just don't even waste your time. But, bro, that's, I think that's the, that's the thing, though. Dude has been, dude has been getting a whole lot in offers. Oh, like, what see, is I'm, it? I mean, what is I don't he? got Shefty on the text, bro. So I don't, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what's going on, bro. But this is why. But this is why, you know. And I'm, I'm, I'm with you when you say you wouldn't move the player unless you got adequate value, you know. Because when I was texting Justin about the trade that we were talking about a couple of days ago, I sent him an offer, and he was like, "Oh, that's a good offer." And um, you know, I ended up pulling it. He didn't accept it right away, but a couple of hours went by and I went up, I went on ahead and, and pulled it because I didn't feel too strongly about it myself. And, um, you know, I just asked him after the fact, I was like, hey, why didn't you accept that trade yesterday or whatever? Like, what were your thoughts? Because I just wanted to hear what he had to say. And he was like, oh, that was a good offer, bro. He's like, I thought it was really solid. Um, and then he gave me some feedback around the players and told me, like, what he was looking for. And I just thought, you know. This is probably going to be a Chris Godwin situation with, with Christian McCaffrey, bro. No player in, in Dynasty ever holds their value year over year when you're talking about being the number one player in Dynasty. Like, we saw that with Le'Veon Bell, and we saw that with Odell Beckham. No player holds that number one overall Dynasty value year over year. So I was talking to you about this yesterday, uh, day before yesterday, I'm sorry, when I was talking about, you know, potentially moving Zeke and how Zeke is at his peak value because he's going into his age 26 season next year and his value will never be as high as it is right now moving forward. 
it's the same type of idea with Christian McCaffrey. The longer you hold a running back, the more his value goes down. So you're trying to sell McCaffrey if you know that that's the piece that you need to move to fix the rest of your team. But if you don't sell him in this window, you aren't going to get nearly as much as you would have been able to get had you sold him when his price was at its absolute peak. So there are so many different ways this can go. You know, Christian McCaffrey has already missed the majority of this season. And what if he comes back and he's on a pitch count? What if he comes back and he doesn't score two touchdowns in in a game like he did during his first two outings this season? Christian McCaffrey scored, we talked about this, he scored 31 and 25 points, but he scored two touchdowns in each of those games. He's already not been efficient this season when he was healthy. What if he comes back and he's not nearly as productive as he was last year? Because if you take down the touchdown variance from those first two games, those are those are mediocre RB outings. So my feedback to Justin would be, you need to get comfortable holding them and understand that you aren't going, going to be able to move them. Um, because I don't think that Christian McCaffrey from last year is coming back. The usage is just not going to be there. It's a, new, it's a new regime, a new QB, new tendencies. You know, Kyle Allen was throwing the ball to Christian McCaffrey 10, 11 times a game. It's not going to happen with Teddy Bridgewater. He's pushing the ball down the field. It's a new offense. So those are my thoughts, bro. Anything that? Mike Davis is better. He's a uh, Christian McCaffrey lost his job. <laughs> uh, Mike Davis. Hey, Mike Davis, bro. Chicago's best running back. Oh, wait, we, we actually cut him for Ryan Nall and Artavis Man. Pierce. Never mind. Worst organization in football, bro. Anyway, let's do this quick fun segment that I thought up last night when I was doing the show notes, bro. And it's called, yeah, all right, all right, all right. You was right. I was wrong. Dude, where I was wrong. I spent a lot of time on this podcast taking victory laps, Kurt. You know, celebrating all of my wins, though there are a lot of them. But I spend all this time beating my chest, bro, poking my chest out. But... I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge all the times I was actually wrong. So here are my top three bad takes of the season. Now, I had about 30 takes, Kurt, that were absolute hits, bro. But I just want to take a few minutes to point out my misses. Number three. You remember this one, bro. Elmo, Zach Ertz, and Marlon Mack trade for Jonu Smith, Jarvis Landry, and an earlier pick. Jonu Smith is looking like a strong dynasty tight end at a very young age. So it's safe to say that the tight end swap clearly goes to Elmo. Jarvis Landry has been whatever, but he's still been a solid contributor, uh, wide receiver three, wide receiver four. And also he's been banged up. So I wonder with the departure of Odell Beckham due to injury and Jarvis Landry becoming healthier if we'll start seeing that old solid wide receiver to Jarvis Landry production. So this trade could tilt even more in Elmo's favor. Um, Zach Ertz is one of the biggest busts of the 2020 season, bro, based on his ADP where he was drafted and what people were projecting him to be. Marlon Mack season is over to an unfortunate Achilles injury. So Elmo won this trade for this season and beyond, right? Yeah, yeah, I thought it was a bad trade at the time too. So I, I, I'll co-sign you and say I was wrong about that as well. 
Yeah, I was I was pretty wrong about this. It's just the the name value that a player like Zach Ertz carries, as well as the production that he's put up over the past few years. But Dynasty is a fickle beast, bro. Sometimes things like this happen, and that's why you don't really like to veto trades because you just never know how they'll pan out, a la Christian McCaffrey for Antonio Brown. Number two, A.J. Brown. Bro, I've called this player overhyped overvalued what I like to call huff <laughs> but dude it, mostly because I'm I'm pissed off that I passed on him in the draft for David Montgomery after I spent the entire offseason in 2018 hyping up AJ Brown bro I already knew what it was bro what was I telling you bro about those receivers from Ole Miss yeah I mean that's like you talked about like the year leading up to that draft and then you didn't get either one of them in the draft, so I don't, it's kind of funny how that happened. Bro, all I talked about all offseason that year was DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown, and then I had the number two overall pick and took David Montgomery. Anyway, I wanted to make myself feel better for my egregious mistake, but I can do that no longer. A.J. Brown is a monster, bro. He's a monster. And um, he's solidly in the conversation, in my opinion, for top five dynasty wide receiver status. Um, you talk about DK Metcalf, you know, um, Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, um, AJ Brown has to be right in that conversation, in my opinion. Um, you know, it's just his age based on the production, his rookie season and now his sophomore season. He looks like he's about to have, you know, a monster season. He's literally a game record, bro. He's one play away from winning you a fantasy week. Um, so, yeah, he has a ton of upside on the week-to-week basis. Uh, he's built tough. Uh, got dinged up a little bit at the beginning of the season, but he's super durable. And he's in a good situation because he has very little competition for targets with Corey Davis. So I was, you know, I was wrong about A.J. Brown. I'm actually going to lose a bet to Danny for 50 bucks, saying that uh, A.J. Brown would get less receiving yards than D.J. Sharks. But D.J. Shark is having a down year, but we'll save that for another discussion. But, uh, but yeah, I'll give this one to Danny. I was wrong about A.J. Brown. Hey, but DJ Moore, Jonathan Taylor, dude, they ass. They're garbage. And this is one, <clears throat> your AJ Brown take. I had nothing to do with that one, so I can't say that I was wrong about that one. I left that between you and Danny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is this is this is this is this is on me. Um, let's get into the next one. Number one. This is easily number one, bro, because uh, this dude made me look the fool. Justin Jefferson. I said Justin Jefferson, you know, I, di- I didn't have a super strong stance on Justin Jefferson in terms of what we delivered on the podcast. But, you know, Kurt, when we were leading up to draft and we were having offline conversations, I did not like Justin Jefferson as a prospect. I just didn't. I, I just, you know, I thought he was a product of a system uh, at LSU with Joe Brady and Joe Burrow. And I just thought, you know, he was meh. I thought he was overrated. I actually got into like several arguments uh, with Twitter with dudes like, Bayou fans like niggas from Louisiana who was arguing with me about Justin Jefferson over Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb and I was like y'all niggas are smoking dicks if y'all think this nigga is in the same class as those wide receivers bro but um (laughs) dude even though the correct pick for Elmo at, at eight was Joe Burrow just based on positional needs and value my lukewarm take on Justin Jefferson as an NFL uh, wide receiver or NFL talent was a complete miss. Dude is an absolute stud, bro. He's a monster. And we'll talk a little bit more about 
Justin Jefferson when we do the rookie report, but this was probably my worst take. And I say it was my worst take, bro, because I could make the argument now that if I were to redo the draft, I would have taken Justin Jefferson over even CD Lamb. That's how talented I think Justin Jefferson is, bro. Yeah. Yeah, he, I mean, he, he's he been performing uh, so far this year. So I can see why you would say that. I yeah, do remember you being kind of low on him too, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's 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 been he's been performing at a really high level, and um, he's been winning a lot of different ways. And there, there's just a lot to like about the kid. Honorable mention for where I was wrong. You know, the Julio Jones is dust take. The reason this didn't make the the cut is because of what I said about Julio coming into the season. You know, we both talked about where wide receivers decline. It's the age thirty two season. Julio is in his age thirty one season, so we talked about him having one more dominant year. And I mean, in all the games that he's played fully healthy, he's been really good. So, um, dude, he's dust from a dynasty perspective. Put him in the KOD age model. Dude, they said he was dust. Simple. I mean, this might be like, you know, Max Kellerman and his cliff prediction, bro. What if Julio really is like good until he's 35, bro? What if he's just the one? He ain't. <laughs> many have tried many have failed if megatron didn't do it if randy moss didn't do it it isn't getting done now when we say dust bro and this is what we we talked about when justin hopped in the chat with like oh yeah julio's dust we never said julio wasn't going to perform we said the days of julio putting up 17 1800 yard seasons are over they are over. You remember when Terrell Owens was bouncing around for team to team at the end of his career, he was still putting up a thousand yards, mm-hmm. but that's yeah. a Mike, that's a Mike Williams season. That's Julio being dust. If Julio's not going out there, putting up top 10 wide receiver numbers and he's in the top 18 to 24 range, like that's not Julio. Like that's not what you paid for. I hope when you sent away Devonte Parker in two first. So that's what we mean when we come on the podcast and we say he's dust. There's a wide receiver in Dynasty that's going into his age 32 season who doesn't have a ton of upside beyond the next season. And um, that's where Julio is. So, yeah, Julio is still a great player. Nobody ever said that he lost his talent. But this is what you're going to have to deal with with a player like Julio Jones, diminishing value because of his age and the fact that he's going to have difficulty staying healthy and recovering from injuries due to, you know, the the stage that he's in in his, in his career. All right. Because I'll say, I'll say this, bro. Just if Julio played, if he was going to play 16 games this year, he would probably get about 14, 1500 yards, bro. Just how, just how he's looked when he's played. But health is a, health is a part of that too. You know, that's a factor. You can't just look at like the per, per game basis. Like absolutely healthy. That's, that's probably a product, like a product of age too at this point. Yeah, and, and injury recovery as well. You get over hamstring injuries and ankle injuries a lot quicker when you're 23, 24 years old. So, yeah, but um, it's good to see Julio out there performing. Hopefully it, it, it lasts as long as Justin needs it to. Let's get into the next segment, the rookie report. We can go through this pretty quickly. There isn't much to say that we haven't said already, especially after the guy number one on the list. So, Kurt, we can alternate here. You could start with number one, and then I'll go number two, and so on and so forth until we get through the last team. Uh, actually, let me preface that by before you start, Kurt, and say that all we're doing in this rookie report is we're just giving you guys an update on one rookie from each of you guys' team. 
and just making a few comments about where they are currently in the season. Go ahead, Kurt. Yeah, so um, we're going to start with the uh, Antonio Gibson or Gibby, as he's referred to uh, by Kim. But um, I think, man, we saw probably uh, last week we saw his breakout game um, versus, I mean, it's versus the Cowboys, so you got to take it with the, with the grain of salt. But, I mean, I think uh, just looking at where you drafted him at, like in the third round, and, of course, like some things had to go his way. Like you had to get AP out of there. Uh, guys had to go, you know, rape somebody or something. I mean, get lose his job. But all the stars seem to uh, align for uh, – for, for Antonio Gibson um, prior to the season even starting and you know when he's gotten the, his, when he's gotten opportunities he's been productive so I think that was like a good uh, third round snag for you yeah man when we're redoing the rookie draft Gibson has an ADP of 1.07 he's going in the middle of the first round so it was an absolute steal from a value standpoint and he's the lead back for an NFL team there are only 32 of those guys. So Arrow definitely pointing upward for Gibson. He hasn't, you know, taken a stranglehold on that backfield, but he's well on his way. And he's just a talented player. When I was doing my evaluation of Gibby, bro, I pulled a Rio, bro. I was like, who should I take with this pick? And then I looked and I said, six feet, 228 pounds. Dude, I'm drafting him. Dude, that's how Rio, that's how Rio decided whether or not to draft LaVisca Chanel. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie, bro. When I saw his athletic profile being compared to that of Joe Mixon, that's what I was like. Oh, I might have <laughs> back on this one just a little bit. Uh, Yeah, no, he's a good player. All right, number two, uh, this player's on Ray's team, Chase Claypool, we talked about in the pre-show. Hey, maybe I won't edit the, the pod and we'll keep that 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 pre-show in, bro, because uh, that, was, that was funny. But um, I won't get into that again. Chase Claypool, we may have, and when I say we, I mean Dynasty Gamers, jumped the gun on the Claypool hype. 5'9", 185 pound, Deontay Johnson came back and stole all his targets. So, I mean, what, are we just going to be playing a guessing game every week with Steelers receivers trying to figure out like who's going to get targets? But, you know, Chase Claypool in the games that he's got an opportunity, he showed well, so... I think it's a good pickup for Ray, but I'm not sure I'd be inserting him into my lineup on the week-to-week basis because of lack of consistency, unless there's an injury in that wide receiver core. All right, Kurt, you go ahead with number three. Actually, Kurt, let me let me take this one, and you take four, because uh, I want to talk about this because I was a part of this move. Number three, we're going to talk about Jamal's players, and we're doing a two-for-one because Jamal traded out of that five spot back to spots 11 and 12 and took Joe Burrow and Brandon Ayuk. These were arguably the two best value picks in the entire fucking draft, bro, including, you know, the Antonio Gibson pick. How does that, how does that trade look now, bro? Trading out of that JK Dobbins slot for Burrow and Ayuk. Jamal looks like a a genius. A fucking genius. Yeah, that's a. I mean, but honestly, it's it's funny because I think me and you discussed this like quite a bit leading up to the last draft, and we know like our league pretty much. Um, 
but really if these are like if people were really factoring in like the move to super flex this is something that this is something that shouldn't have been on the table at all like uh he shouldn't have been able to trade back and get burrow but <laughs> the fact that he was able to do that is like actually crazy and it's funny when you think about it now yeah, that's insane. That like you hit the nail on the head when you say he traded back and got Burrow, which is insane because Burrow should have been a top two pick, top three pick at worst. So yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, he looks he looks pretty pretty savvy for that move, bro. And Brendan Ayuk has been awesome too. And he started the season slow with injury, and he's still coming on super strong. Um, in the limited time that he's been on the field, he looks like a hit as well. All right, I'll let you take the next the next two, bro. All right, so uh, number four, um, DJ Dallas. Have we seen him play yet? Because um, I watched a few Seattle games, and the only people who I've seen get touches are uh, Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde. No, I haven't seen DJ Dallas play, but I've seen him play in college. He's small and huff. Yeah, so, I mean, I, like, I, I guess – um, where he was drafted, like, I guess at this point, at that point in the draft, you kind of just throwing darts, you know, mm-hmm. trying to see, like, if something is a hit. But, yeah, I don't know what that means, bro. And um, somebody like, uh, I mean, he just doesn't play. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to, like, analyze him. Uh, I mean, I would have to say that the assumption would be, at this point, he's not better than, you know, Carlos Hyde, who should be on his last right. leg. Yeah, right. So, yeah, yes. agreed. Uh, yeah, okay. And then uh, next we got A.J. Dillon, which we thought we were going to see, you know, him get some touches. or And we, and we did. Oh, we, we did? Thought, yeah, we thought we were going to see him, um, you know, start a game. The I know Green Bay came on and said that they felt uh, comfortable um, with – AJ Dillon starting in place of Aaron Jones. And I know leading up to this, I was kind of interested to see how this whole situation like, you know, played out because I know it's a new regime um, that came in and they they drafted AJ Dillon. Uh, so I was interested to see like how this situation played out. But I'll say, I think we can confirm that Aaron Jones job is not in jeopardy like well not because of AJ Dillon and uh if he's backing up Jamal Williams I AJ Jamal <laughs> Williams but he's not very good bro I mean, <laughs> I mean just I'm simply no, playing, he like, isn't. Jamal Williams is not 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 a very good football player so I don't know what that says about AJ Dillon I know he was like super inefficient with his touches like uh, when he when he carried the ball in last week, I think he'll probably five have, carries, five carries for eleven yards. Yeah, he'll probably have some opportunities this week too, but it's not looking good for uh, DJ Dallas or AJ Dillon at this point. I agree; they're both huff to me. All right, let's get into the next one. Elmo's player that he drafted in the first round. We talked about this earlier. Justin Jefferson, kid's an absolute demon, bro. He's really good. Um, He's the the number two, but I, I, I'd say he's more of a 1B to Adam Thielen's 1A, and he's the future there because, you know, Thielen's getting up in age. He's 30 years old already. Justin Jefferson as a rookie, you just rarely see wide receivers come into the league and be able to play all over the field. And what I mean by that is you can line him up at X, Z, and put him in the slot, and he can win at every level. The quick game, intermediate routes, he can win on deep routes. He's also good after the catch. 
he has good hands, and he excels in contested catch situations. And he's athletic. He's fast. I just – those are all qualities that come with being a great receiver. You know, and not all great receivers have all of those qualities. I just think the ceiling is through the absolute roof for Justin Jefferson, bro. I think he's in the conversation for – bro, I think he he's in the conversation for top five dynasty wide receivers right now, bro. Based on the limited sample size and what he's produced this early in his career, I think you could make the case that that he's up there. You know, CeeDee Lamb is already up there in, in terms of uh, the consensus and analyst ranking him, but bro – I'm a dude who actually like watches film. And um, I think from a talent perspective, what we've seen from both those players, I think I'd rather have Justin Jefferson is by a narrow margin, but I, I think I'd rather have him. He's, he's really good and his future is really bright. So um, I think that's all that needs to be said. Hey, I will say this too. Elmo knows bro, what he has in Justin Jefferson. I don't know why he didn't know what he had in Christian McCaffrey, but he knows what he has in Justin Jefferson because I sent him Zeke for Jefferson in a pick and he swiftly declined swiftly declined yeah uh I wish you would have the same foresight with DK Metcalf but hey you know <laughs> <laughs> hey I should have I should have just sent both of them first and got DK and Jefferson off of them in one swoop bro Ooh. That would have been that would be so fire. Anyway, I'll let you take the. Uh, actually, I'll I'll take this one and then we'll just go two two two, um. Or I'll take this one. You go. You do the next two, and um. I'll do the next two, and you do yours, the very last one. So, I'll take this one because I know a little bit about Donovan Peoples Jones. He's a wide receiver out of Michigan who wasn't super productive in college, but they had a quarterback named Shea Patterson and it was um, Jim Harbaugh's team. So it's not necessarily a scheme or a team that you're going to see a lot of production from outside wide receivers, but he was known to be this super uber athletic wide receiver prospect. And he was rated by scouts as like a four-star recruit. So this dude came with some pedigree and he was always on everybody's radar. He just didn't really have the opportunity to produce based on the system that he was in. But he fell really far in drafts, bro. I didn't put this in the show notes, but I think he was a fifth-round pick for Cleveland. And that is just shit draft capital, bro. So he was off a lot of Dynasty uh, gamers' radars. But I was really shocked and, um, when I saw how far he fell in the draft because this is a dude who who was like – 6'1", 220 pounds, and he ran like a 4'4 or something. So, like, he has tons of, like, physical upside. So it'll be interesting to see what he's able to produce maybe in the absence of Odell for the rest of the season. But he caught a touchdown and had a decent game last week. So uh, this may have been a steal for Justin, but that remains to be seen. But I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to seeing how the career of Donovan Peoples-Jones progresses. I'll let you take the next two here, Kurt. All right, so our next rookie that we're – going to discuss is Jonathan Taylor and um I didn't really know much about him as a college player but I mean I don't really like watch college football that much to be honest with you but I do pay attention when I hear about like these you know people like uh college players as uh we lead them to the draft and I'll, I'll pay attention to the combine and all of that so with Jonathan Taylor I know a lot of fantasy football experts were really high on uh, Jonathan Taylor after the combine 
because of his size and his 40 time. And I think so far since he's been in the league, um, well, I, I know that some people have referred to him as, uh, as a generational talent. That was, that was one of the things that I heard uh, going into um, going into this season, which like, you know, I could go on a whole tangent about people misusing <clears throat> that phrase, generational talent, but whatever. Um, I've even heard people say that he could have been possibly the number one uh, running back for this season, I heard that like take going into the season. And I'll say so far, um, I don't really think Jonathan Taylor is what the fantasy football experts like were predicting that he would be, even though the opportunity opened up for him almost immediately with the Marlon Mack injury, like early into the season. Week um, one. Yeah, I know. Um, Jonathan Taylor is a guy with a lot of straight line speed, but I think that's like, I, I mean, and you, you watch more film than I do, so you can <clears throat> like chime in here, but I think that might be it. For, like, like that's, that's all it is for him. He's just a guy with like that size yeah. and straight line speed. Yeah. He, he, he has a great physical profile. I mean, he's, he's, you know, over 220 pounds and he ran a four, three, nine, like he's a, he's a freak physically when you look at things like weight adjusted speed score and shit like what the super like nerdy analytics dudes look at but you need more than athleticism to play running back you you remember Trent Richardson like Jonathan Taylor bro I think Jonathan Taylor is gonna be fine I think he's a good running back he was a good running back when he was in college and he's in a really good situation playing behind a good offensive line he's not a great running back to me and he, he's never going to be a great running back from a talent perspective because he doesn't have a lot of the traits that you need to be a great running back. And we're eight weeks into the season, Kurt. If we're looking eight weeks into the season, based on where people were drafting him and what his hype was, Jonathan Taylor is a bust. He is a bust. And if we're looking at week two and beyond after the Marlon Mack injury where people were inserting him into a top five running back conversation rest of the season, Jonathan Taylor is a bust through eight weeks. He is a bust. He is a bust for dynasty purposes. Don't know if he's going to be a buster. Now I have no idea. He could go on in the next eight weeks of the season, Kurt. He could be RB one on the year. Unlikely, but he could be. I mean, the field is, is washed out. Half the top 12 RBs are injured or have been injured. So Jonathan Taylor could smash. He's like one of the last men standing. He's healthy. He's playing behind a good offensive line, which he should have already smashed under throughout the first seven weeks he's played. But he hasn't. He hasn't had that signature explosive game yet, and he plays behind a good offensive line on the team that wants to run the ball. So I don't know what Jonathan Taylor's waiting for. I don't know if he's waiting on, you know, them to part the fucking Red Sea like Moses so he can crack off a 60-yard run like he was doing in college, but he hasn't shown us anything that warrants the conversation of him being in the top 12 in terms of dynasty running backs, much less the top three where niggas have him ranked, bro. So yeah, that's that's that. We can move on to the next player, bro. I, I'm, I'll shit on Jonathan Taylor later when we put Danny's team under the microscope. Well, I did just want to say I think that the reason why Jonathan Taylor does seem like a disappointment is because of all of the expectations that like people placed on him. Because Danny, if we think about it, he was the third running back drafted in our fantasy draft, and for, like the production he's put up just based on that would be would be good. But the fact that people were 
putting him in conversations with Saquon Barkley and like Zeke Elliott, like <clears throat> that kind of makes him seem like a little a little more disappointed. But I, I think, shoot, I wish I had a pick higher than you know what I had because I would have took him. But anyway, we'll get to <laughs> we'll get to that like uh, when we talk about my player. But um, so the next one is Jerry Judy, and um, yeah. I think this, I mean, just based on what he's done, super disappointing so far. I mean, I know it takes, a, like, sometimes it takes a while for, like, wide receivers, but, you know, I know he was in a conversation as being the best wide receiver in this draft class. I thought it was C.D. Lamb, but I know he was in a conversation for being the best uh, wide receiver in this class. He, he should, like, um, he hasn't really done much uh yet and I think some opportunities opened up for him as well because Cortland Sutton isn't there um and still he hasn't done much so I I don't you know I'm not too sure what's going on with Jerry Judy but I'll say so far in his like in his career he looks like well he doesn't look quite as impressive uh as we thought he would and I mean it's probably about like what, like four like wide receivers that we can co- comfortably say that are more productive than him in in this draft class, like so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I agree with everything you said, and and Drew Lock sucks, but um, you know Judy's production has been super disappointing because they lose Cortland Sutton, like you mentioned, and you expect them to be able to or make a concerted effort to funnel targets to Jerry Judy. And like I said, he doesn't have a great quarterback, but um, Cortland Sutton was also playing with Drew Locke and he produced perfectly fine. So maybe it's a chemistry thing. Maybe it's Jerry Judy's build and where they line him up and they just need to work better or put Judy in better situations to get the ball. Because I think Judy is still, I think he's talented. I mean, he didn't, he didn't forget how to play football when he got drafted. Um, so it, it may just take him some time and um, he's not in a great situation. He's, he's in a worse situation than I'd say uh, CD lamb and, you know, rugs and Jefferson and, you know, all, all these guys who have been, you know, uh, T Higgins, the guy we're going to talk about next, but yeah, it's, it's been very disappointing. And based on what you expected from, from Jerry Judy, from a dynasty perspective, he hasn't really shown you much. I'll get into the next three uh, just so we could wrap it up and I'll, I'll let you make your comments on cam Akers, uh, T Higgins, First pick in the third round in our rookie draft, he was an absolute steal. He's looked fantastic. KB's team, uh, Devin Duvernay, obviously Tabron's team, he was drafted in the first round. His snap percentage has actually gone up. He was in like the 18, 19% snap range the first few weeks, and now he's getting some looks. Uh, but the first round, I mean, he, he didn't belong in the first round. But uh, at least he's actually getting on the field. So uh, Tabron can find solace in that. And, and number 12, uh, Kurt's team. Um, I'll let you speak on this, but uh, Cam Akers, he was drafted number four overall in, in our league, um, you know, over Jefferson, over uh, C.D. Lamb. Um, so you can talk about, you know, maybe what's going on with his usage and maybe you can touch on what you do in Dynasty when a player you drafted so early doesn't pan out right away. I'm rewriting the history books. I, I drafted Justin Herbert and in the first round and I drafted Cam Akers in the second. Uh but 
Um, yeah, uh, it seems like, you know, so far for Cam Makers, he hasn't really been able to carve out a role in that Rams offense. Um, I mean, I think, honestly, at this point, I don't have any other choice but to hold him. I don't know the type of offers that I would get for Cam Akers just based on, like, some of the other offers that I've gotten for other players in this league. So it's not like I would be looking to trade him. So I'll just hold him until, you know, he he finds a, a place in that offense. I think um, the fact that he was drafted in the second round in, in the real draft uh, tells me that they're going to try to figure out ways to use him. I thought that it would be immediate, but I don't think that they expected – for him to look how he's looked. And I also don't think that they expected for um, <clears throat> Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown to look how they have looked. So, um, but again, like they did draft Daryl Henderson last year uh, and he didn't really have much of a role either. I mean, I think it was primarily due to the fact that Todd Gurley was there, um, but they moved him out of the way. So I think, I don't know, you know, hopefully, they'll move Malcolm Brown out of the way and then Cam Akers could get some some uh, touches alongside uh, Daryl Anderson, Henderson. <laughs> I used to call him Darnell. I forget his name, his real name. But yeah, um, yeah, I think it, like if you're in a situation like this, you just you just hold him. I mean, it's really nothing else you can do. Or send him to Rio for a 2023rd uh, round pick. Yeah, that's a no for me. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, you invested too much capital in him to trade him away before you actually see him get his opportunity. So it's just a situation where you hold on to the player and hope for the best. Let's get into the week seven preview quickly. First, we'll start off with our Soldier Boy shootout of the week. I chose the San Francisco 49ers versus the Seattle Seahawks because, bro, there are actually some shit games like this week in terms of uh, point total upside. Like, the, the Chiefs are playing the Jets. Like, bro, this is just a lot, like a lot of blowouts in the slate. But this game had the highest implied Vegas point total. I think it was at 54 points, 54.8 points. So this should have a lot of fantasy scoring opportunities. Let's get into the matchups in the Ace of Spades. We got Cam versus Kurt. Uh, I'm taking Kurt. Um, we could just go through these quickly. And Kurt, you could tell me, like, if, if, like who you're taking just quickly. I'm taking the most healthy team here. Um, I'm going with yours. What are your thoughts on this game? I'm going to take yours since, you know, Robbie and Ridley duds. All right. Um, Justin versus KB. Uh, I'm, I'm taking, I'm taking KB because Justin's starting Drew Locke and some, some running back with 10 points in a super flex and Drew Locke sucks. And Drew Locke hasn't scored more than 15 points one time this season. Who you got? Justin. Okay. And Danny versus Elmo. Uh, what I say? Elmo's running backs are bad and they have bad matchups. Damn. Um, Jefferson may see a lot of Jair Alexander. But Danny's RBs have good bench. Okay. I'm taking Danny. I don't know why I have to read all that to, to figure out who I was taking. I'm taking Danny. This matchup. Who are you taking? I'm taking Danny. Yeah. Okay. That's the first one we agree on. Chris versus Ray. I'm taking Ray because Chris is starting Demir Bird and somebody named M. Johnson. Who you got? Ray. Okay. And then Rio versus Tabron. Rio just lost Crowder. It's like his best player this season. Um, but I'm, I'm still going to take Rio in a low-scoring game. Who you got? I'm picking against Tabron every week. Okay. All right. We, uh, we were going to do trade reflections, but um, 
we don't have time and not only do we not have time i didn't um put that into the the pre-show the header so we'll, we'll do this on the next spot but kurt did you get a chance to see some of these I did. I was looking forward to talking to him too. Talking, talking. Oh uh, man, I can't wait. We we got to do a separate pod for these. We got to do a separate pod for this because it'll take like thirty minutes, bro. But it is, bro. It's, it's gonna be so much fun. When we do that episode anyway. We'll do that on the uh, the weekly episode that we do. Real quick, real quick. Let's let's do the power rankings real quick because we'll do Danny Seaman under a microscope and then we'll round off the episode. So power rankings. We got Tim Brown at twelve, still Elmo at eleven, Rio at ten. That's the tier four. Tier three, we got Chris at nine, BT at eight, Jamal at seven, KB at six. We could probably swap. Actually, you want to swap Jamal and KB, put Jamal at six, bro? Yes. Yeah, let's put Jamal at six and KB at seven because KB just keeps fucking losing. That's tier three to average Joe's. Let's get into tier two. We got Danny at five. Danny, you're at five. This nigga said... Yeah, looking like I'm about to be locked into that three C. Talk nice to me because he thought he's about to beat me and then he got smoked. Hey, Kurt, by the way, I don't know if you saw in the chat, bro. If if I would have let him pick up that tight end, that nigga would have won. Yeah, I saw that. Got him. Hey, you remember, you know that gif I'm always posting? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Laughing Mari, yeah. the laughing for, for all y'all that can't see me on video, the, the laughing dude at the Mari show. I just did my impersonation to him. Danny at number <laughs> five because he's ass and he dropped two spots out of out of the three spot. Ray at number four, that just don't even sound right. Justin at number three, dude, the order has been restored. Justin third best team, we've been saying that all along. This is another tier break. This is tier two. The good teams let's get into tier one. We got Kim coming in number two. We just keep going back and forth. I'm willing to just leave myself. At number two, until I smoke you in week sixteen, dude. I mean, you can have a number one spot, bro. I just, I just stay at number two until until I smoke you, dude. I can't even really talk shit about the playoffs because I got bad matchups, bro. I don't even. Uh, No, we we keep going back and forth here, but uh, Kurt's had you know two strong weeks, and my team has faltered pretty poorly over the past couple. So we'll have a clear indication of who's the real number one team after our matchup, I, I guess. But um, that those are the tiers, and those are the power rankings. Tier one, the elite. Let's put Danny's team under a microscope for a few minutes. Okay, each episode on Saturday, we're gonna break down a GM's team where they stand and how they got there, what their goals were, looking at their transactions to see if they made the moves to achieve those goals. Team, this week is Danny. Team overview, Danny has a young, decently built team. I think his, you know, I think his arrogance, bro, and trying to finesse the system uh, got him in some trouble with his QB situation because he should have taken Joe Burrow with that, number three overall pick but he 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 so arrogantly and cockily took jonathan taylor bro and he was he was so confident that this dude was like the next zeke and that that the uh position that he should have prioritized there was running back even though you know his team fifth place in our league right now obviously isn't a team that's truly contending for a championship so he had a little time to rebuild his roster and bookend it with a player that's going to contribute to his team over the next 10 years which would have been joe burrow instead he decided to take the overrated running back with the number three overall pick 
who is either going to have to shape up and prove that this dude is actually a three down workhorse or he's going to be a part of a committee for the remainder of his career. And that pick is going to look really, really bad for Danny, especially since all RBs fizzle out really after their first contract, unless they're generational talents, which Jonathan Taylor doesn't look like he is. Um, Positives about Danny's team. You know, he has a good skill group. He has a young RB duo, which isn't supremely talented, but Josh Jacobs is good. And Jonathan Taylor, we still haven't seen enough of him to know exactly what he is. So he still has some promise and upside. But Danny's core of his team, the real strength of Danny's team is in his wide receivers. We talked a little bit about A.J. Brown earlier in the episode. We talked about uh, Allen Robinson on previous episodes about him being, you know, the most disrespected player on Danny's team. Easily his best receiver from a talent perspective, bro. And... Um, he also has DJ Moore, you know, another one of those super overhyped players coming into the season. But nonetheless, DJ Moore is a young, productive receiver. So in that sense, Kurt, his team is built to last. You know, it's built around young wide receivers that are going to be around for the next five years, barring any sort of catastrophic change. And he also has draft capital to reinforce his roster. He doesn't have, you know, top three draft capital to draft a quarterback. He probably should have done that in the 2020 draft. But he does have draft capital to make his team a little bit deeper. So looking at the overview of Denny's team, what do you have to say about it? Um, well, I agree with everything that you said thus far. I think when I look at what <clears throat> what Denny could use, I think it's I think he really just needs that that real like QB one. That's really what Denny needs, you know. Um because I, I, mean, I, um, I think Danny has done a good job of acquiring like other like good skill players like wide receivers and like I think he has a decent running back group too. Um, he just <clears throat> has like lesser quarterbacks and I think that's um, I think that's that kind of that's kind of what caps like uh, caps his ceiling. Um, yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I think <clears throat> I pretty much agree with everything you said. I'm looking at like what Danny has done uh, so far, like over the course of uh, like well recently, and I hadn't even realized that Danny was this active. So that's uh, <clears throat> that's pretty impressive. I think Danny is one of the better GMs in the league. I think he has one of the better teams in the league. I think he's just a few pieces away from being like a, a real uh, contender. Yeah, I think I think Danny's a good GM, especially when you look at the field of the GMs that are in our league. He's definitely, in my opinion, he's top four. Um, but he's he's not a he's not a great GM, bro. Danny and I want to say this on the podcast because Danny thinks he's a lot more savvy than he really is, and he's he's real he's really arrogant. And I think his arrogant approach is actually like kind of stunted the growth of his team. I think he could have been in a better situation had he not tried to outsmart the process and if you can hear my daughter crying in the background i apologize um she's in this other room out there flipping out but danny danny danny's a good gm but he, he he's a lot less intelligent than he thinks he is and i think we saw that with the draft this past year and you you can't you can't you can't do that it's, it's the same thing that you know justin did he traded all his draft capital and he doesn't have a second qb like you, there's no there's no cheating the process when it comes to building the superflex roster. You have to do it by prioritizing quarterbacks and building your team. If 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 you have a team that's built around running backs, like 
you have to you have to book in that team with some long term assets, or else your team is going to fall off a cliff quickly. So Danny had one of the elements or one of the components of of his strategy, right, in building it around wide receivers. But then you couple that with building around Jonathan Taylor and Josh Jacobs, who are going to fizzle out in a few years. His strategy just didn't match. You had the opportunity in the top three to draft your quarterback of the future. And now you're talking to Elmo about what you're going to pay up for a Trevor Lawrence package. Isn't that, isn't that counterintuitive? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. And if, um, man, if it really comes to that, like if that's what he ends up like needing to do in order to get like a quarterback is like paying a premium for somebody like Trevor Lawrence, then that kind of sets his like process back a few years. And I think that he'll, uh, going to really regret the Jonathan Taylor over over Burrow thing, dude. It just it, it's it's an opportunity cost conversation, right? Because you're talking about punting on QBs in a draft where you actually have a, a top three pick, and you want to work on getting a QB in a draft that you don't. From a processes and 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 tactical uh, standpoint, that was just that was just flawed process. That was that was kind of stupid on Danny's part, and I think you know a lot of people made the mistake with not taking Burrow, but not a lot of people, you know, had the understanding of the format like Danny does. That, that was kind of inex- inexcusable for Danny because he actually understands Dynasty and Superflex, and he knew the correct pick from a roster construction standpoint was Joe Burrow or Tua or Justin Herbert. So, yeah, anyway, Danny's short-term outlook for his team, um, how would we classify it, bro? I, I, think, I think it's a a rebuild plus. And what I mean by that is he's not stripping his team down, but he's taking away all the assets that aren't going to contribute to his future. And he's trading them away for picks. And we'll talk about the transactions he's made in a few, but I I can't really say he's a reload because he isn't a piece away, you know, Derek Carr and Sam Darnold and who's his other quarterback. Matthew Stafford and Stafford. Like those dudes aren't like, that isn't the future of his team and his wide receivers are good, but his running backs, I mean, Chris Carson, Chris Carson can't stay healthy and he doesn't have a lot of long-term value in dynasty and he's getting up there in age. I think he's 25, 26, whatever. I mean, Denny's team needs to be shaken up a little bit. I would be trying to, you know, I don't want to get away from offering advice on the podcast but there are some moves that Danny needs to make on his team for me to look at it and say he actually has some clear direction in the path to be successful um but I would call it like a rebuild plus because I think he's several pieces away from being a real contender you look at his point per game over the over the past seven weeks he's he's a fifth six seven seed team he's not very good he's he's talked like he's been good and he was in third place because of some some matchups that he had and just some low week, uh, uh, weekly league median scoring, but he scored over 220 points one time. He's not in the he's not in the class of of Justin or or Ray or even KB in terms of of upside when both teams are healthy. And Danny's been a team, Kurt, who's been healthy for majority of the season. That's not the, that's not um, um, something that a lot of these teams can say. So he's had the health in his in his in his favor. And he's still barely producing, you know, 200 points a week. His team's just not very good. I think he's multiple pieces away. What do you think about his short-term outlook? Yeah, I, I, uh, it's difficult to really 
Because, okay, so I think earlier I said, I think the thing that he really needs is like a QB1, but honestly, he probably would need. I don't. Um, yeah, I think if he was able to add, like, just add a QB, like a QB one, without giving up anything, that his team would be a lot more competitive. I don't know if that puts him in a position to win a championship. So I don't know, like, how you. I don't know how you would classify that. But I, I mean, because I think you've already touched on it like quite a bit. Uh, that. That's just not like his opportunity to just add a, a, a top 12 QB to his team was in this past draft. <clears throat> he kind of missed the opportunity by getting Jonathan Taylor. So I don't really know like uh, what his path is going to look like. I think whatever he does, he's going to he's going to set himself back a few years, you know, to to share up that quarterback uh, situation. That's that's just the only that's the only that's the only thing I can see happening for Danny because I like I think his team is a little too good for him to get one of those premium QBs in the draft, but I don't think it's quite good enough. So, like I think he's gonna be like one of the teams kind of like, like how Chris. mine was for a while, where it was like I was always picking like in the middle or towards the end of the draft. And it's just not That's, really a good spot to be in. He, he's, he's where Chris has been over the past few years, that seventh seed, sixth seed team. And this is why it's counterintuitive. You go through and you trade all these assets away for picks. And then you take Jonathan Taylor. And then you're looking at having to trade Jonathan Taylor and all those picks you acquired just to get the quarterback that you could have picked when you had the number three overall pick. Yeah. He's just going forward and then going backwards. It's just bad. It's just bad practice. It's bad strategy. But he is strategic in his thought process. He just has the wrong one. But his team is decent enough to win now. He can get into the playoffs and he could win a championship. Fantasy football is, is almost 50% luck, in my opinion. But from a tactical standpoint, he didn't put himself in the best position to do that. Um, he's more so looking to the future, I would say. If he were on the podcast, I'd say he's looking more to the future. But again, it's, it's counterintuitive to have a team where you're looking to continue to add to year over year when you could have taken you know, a quarterback with the top three pick that you had, and you could have added pieces to that core year over year, as opposed to taking a running back. And by the time this dude's team is ready to compete, we're talking about Jonathan Taylor is going to be 25 years old. I mean, it's just, that pick was kind of dumb for, for where Danny's team was, especially looking at his QB situation. Um, We already talked about what he needed. So we can skip over that, especially since we're a minute over already. Let's look at his transactions. Tyler Johnson for $60 in off season fab Antonio Brown, for $52 in off-season fab. Andy Dalton for $11 in off-season fab. Um, those are his free agent pickups. Those are pretty good. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, yeah, those are good pickups. Those are good. Um, now let's talk about the trades. Keenan Allen for late 2021 first and a 2022 second. That's, an, that's a pretty bad trade. I think so too. Yeah, because I don't think Keenan Allen is like at the age where you just give him up for like for, Not for a that, 28. but... Not yeah. at 28, not at 28 and not the type of receiver Kenan Allen is and how he wins. He wins with nuance and, and, and route running and he, he wins with intelligence. Um, you know, he, he's like he's a receiver that I could see taking a, a Larry Fitzgerald role because he's so savvy. You could just put him in a slot. He wins with, you know, good feet, good route running and understanding the position at a really high level. 
he's not, you know, AJ Green or or like Julio or or uh, um, Brandon Marshall, like a big receiver who's going to win with a lot of athleticism and you know speed. He just wins with being being savvy. So at age twenty eight, you know, Keenan Allen's probably got four more really good years in him, bro. This season and three more, I would say. So for a late first and a late. 2022 second that's a really bad trade um aj dylan john brown and ian thomas for sam darnold i i thought this was a robbery for sam darnold but bro the jets could look to to draft trevor lawrence and then sam darnold's gonna be like what on the move man on the move yeah to back somebody up though yeah i mean yeah some team will take a shot on him but he'll be in a competition kind of like mariota was uh, supposed to be with Derek Carr in 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 uh, in Las Vegas. It's not going to be like Sam Darnold's going to leave and be anointed somewhere after he's done like nothing for the for the Jets. So this trade is like a wash to me. Um, I don't I don't Rio definitely didn't win, but I don't know if he lost either. I mean, we have to see what Sam Darnold is going to be after this year. Um, could be a Tannehill situation there, bro. Could be. I mean, but you have to have the opportunity for it to be a Tannehill situation. Uh, there are. M- all 32 teams are pretty much locked up, bro, with their quarterbacks of the future. And if they aren't, they're going to have a high enough pick to draft one in a really QB-heavy draft this year. There are probably four or five quarterbacks that are going to go in the first round. So wherever Sam Darnold goes, he's going to be in a competition, just like just like Tannehill was with, with um, what's his face, Marcus Mariota. He was in a competition. He had to win the job. So from a talent perspective, I'm not confident enough in Sam Darnold to say he's going to go somewhere and absolutely win the job wherever he's going to be competing. So we just have to wait and see. Um, the next trade Danny made was he traded away a 2021 second round pick and a 2022 fourth round pick for Tyler Higby. This trade was just like whatever, right? Higby had one good game, but I think it was Danny knew it was a gamble. Like he had a small sample size Higby last year. Um, so this trade's whatever. I think I think Higby's a fine tight end, probably worth more um, of a third round pick than, than a second, but it's whatever. Yeah, that's how I feel um, about it. Yeah. And then he traded away Chris Herndon and Ronald Jones for 2021 third, a 2022 second and a 2023 second. He was really excited about this trade, but I don't know, bro. Like I said, when we we, we did great the trade, it's a 2021 third. All these other picks are in 2022 and 2023 and Ronald Jones. You know, even if even if he's in a 50-50 timeshare going forward with Leonard Fournette, he's already given you half a season of being an RB1. I don't know if I really like, I don't know if this trade was really as, as, as I don't know if Danny should be as excited about this trade as, as he was, because if he would have just waited for Ronald Jones to play a few games, he would have been able to get a high second round pick in this upcoming year's draft plus for the player. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Uh, I think, yeah. Uh, I don't really get super excited over like, picks from two three years from now so no no um, i don't know why i don't know why people do and continue to trade them but you know danny was real happy like especially after they signed Fournette, like he was so happy to get the 2022 second and so like those picks are so far away bro and justin's team is usually good so it's like yeah it's like the time value of, of, of money thing it's like i'd rather have ronald jones and the value that he's giving me now producing in the rb1 range than a, a top 18 pick potentially in 2023 and a top, you know, 24 pick potentially in 2022. Uh, last trade, he traded away Devin Singletary for a 2021 second. This is, this is his best trade in my opinion. Devin Singletary's he's not good. Yeah. I, I would, uh, I would say it's a good trade. He looks good sometimes when he plays bro, but 
I know he has issues with like, well, he had issues with fumbles, uh, not like a great pass catcher. And sometimes like he's inefficient. So he's, he's, he's just a guy, bro. He's, he's just a guy. He's like, he's like a shitty version of Mike Davis. He's not very good. I was disappointed Elmo made this trade because I, I know for a fact you could get a much better player in the second round, especially in this year's draft. But that's the trade that I think Danny definitely, definitely won. Any last comments about Danny's team, bro? No. That's the show. That is the show. As always, please, please, please tune in to our next episode. We are going to do, you know, as always, we're going to do the recap episode. But, bro, y'all have to listen to the trade reflections from years past. That's the segment that we're going to introduce on the next episode. And we're going to talk about trades all the way from 2016 to 2018. Uh, I'm sorry, to 2019. So we're going to talk about from the moment we went into Dynasty, when we started transitioning into Dynasty in 2016, all the way up into last year's draft. We're not going to talk about this year's draft because we've talked about those trades at nauseum. But it's definitely an episode that you guys are going to want to tune into. And we're also going to put Rio's team under a microscope. I'm rambling, man. Drop the outro. Holla at you boys later. And remember, it's up there and it's stuck there. Peace.